In this episode, I'm going to share with you a conversation I have with one of our therapeers. We talk about things like accountability and free will and parenting, all in relation to the polyvagal theory. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This is not therapy, nor is it intended to be therapy. It's also not clinical consultation for you, and nor is it intended to be that. However, if you are interested in talking to me one-on-one -on, -one, on more of a professional basis and you need some clarification, head on over to justinlmft.com and there's a consult page now where you can uh, reach out to me and set up a consult so you can talk about these more professional level things one-on-one. -on -one. It is not therapy. Uh, it's not exactly clinical consultation. It's more like, hey, I, ha I don't understand whatever it is, uh, you know, polyvagal theory in particular maybe. I don't get this and I need to talk to you one-on-one -on -one just to get some clarification on, am I understanding this right or am I applying this correctly in my practice? So justinlmft.com and head on over to the consult page and you can reach out to me from, from there if you're interested in that. So Kelly is one of those people and she allowed me to record this. Um, it's Kelly Laporta and you can find out more about her on kellylaportacounseling.com. I'll have a link in the description kellylaportacounseling.com. Otherwise, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. It was a ton of fun. This is not stuff I typically go into on the podcast, not exactly. Um, things I've been meaning to, but she just brought this opportunity for us to go in depth into some really fun, fun conversations. And I hope you enjoy it as well. I have, I'm like learning polyvagal. I've been learning about it, you know, for the past, I don't know, year or so probably. Yeah. Just finished um, Deb Dana's course. It was super helpful, but I, I feel like I just had more questions and there wasn't a ton of space to do like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, yeah. uh, question yeah. answers. So I was yeah, like, yeah. well, man, he's really knowledgeable in this stuff. So maybe I can reach out to him and get some, who knows? So we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully I can yeah. address whatever you need, it is you need. So what's going on? So, okay. So the thing that I'm working on right now is I'm really focusing on like providing content for parents who are, um, you know, wanting to learn more about the nervous system and parenting through a nervous system lens. And I'm loving it. I've been trying to do this with my own kids. It's been super helpful, but there are a few things that I'm getting a little bit, I'm just like getting caught up in. And, um, I, I think it, part of it is like my history being psychologically trained, right. For the past 12 years, introducing polyvagal theory, trying to understand like, where's the connection and the overlap, what things am I deconstructing, <laughs> be it parenting, psychology, yeah. what am I holding on to? And I'm like, yeah. so the big thing that I'm um, kind of working through right now is discipline and boundaries yeah. with a nervous system perspective um, and what that looks like, like with my own kids. Um, and, okay. you know, when I first got into polyvagal, I was like, all right, I'm going to like see how it, how things shift in our household. If I like provide a lot of safety cues for my kids and kind of learn their individual safety cues, like what sends them into fight or flight. Um, and that was super helpful. I yeah. was like, this is awesome. I'm like seeing, I am seeing that they're like more cooperative and engaging as I do this. But then when it comes to discipline and boundaries, and there's obviously times when I have to like, you know, right. draw the line somewhere, sure. I sure. feel like I then become a danger cue in those moments to them where it's like, you know, mom is like, I'm, I, they're dysregulated. They're doing this behavior. And then I'm trying to like, you know, set a boundary at that really trying to navigate, like that I'm staying regulated in those moments myself. But then I'm like, God, am I like sending yeah. them more down their ladder? Okay. Part of this is 
your own parenting part of this is uh, course creation or content creation around parenting. Yes. But it sounds like you also want to be able to apply this in your own home. Yes. Because it's like, you don't want to just say the thing you want to exactly you know, do the thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. And I, so I want to try and address this like generally. Okay. Yeah. The parenting thing is, I'm with you. So when it comes to discipline and bound and boundaries, it, there doesn't seem to be a clear connection with polyvagal theory in a way that we want it to connect. It is, it does connect. It does. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, well, it's, it kind of has to, right? But so when you talk about parents that become the danger cue, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I would say yes. So, so the question now becomes. Is it, is it our role to avoid that or to embrace that in a healthy way? Yes. Yes. Because, because it's like, let's take it to a wild example. Just, just to make, like illustrate a point. Let's say we have, I don't want to say narcissistic because everyone says that. Let's say we have a, a husband, just very stereotypical example who is easily mm -hmm. triggered and abusive, right? Yeah. Is his partner, are they not allowed to put a healthy boundary in place, even if it sounds angry, mm -hmm. even if it sounds powerful, even if it comes from their own fight energy, it's probably mm -hmm. going to trigger the husband, mm -hmm. but aren't mm -hmm. they allowed to speak from their power? Aren't they allowed to speak from, now I think that it, speaking from power and speaking from fight are different. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very different. Mm -hmm. So as parents, if we're yelling and shaming and name calling, that's not power. That's, that's fight. Hmm. That's the, yeah. an attempt to dominate. Yeah. That's different than this is what I expect out of you. Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, here's how I will respond. Mm -hmm. It's your choice. Mm -hmm. To me, there's more, you don't have to yell about that. It's like, this is the rule. You will follow through. I don't have to have a lot of vocal prosody to deliver that. Yeah. So is that unhealthy fight or is that clear boundaries, expectations that any parent yeah. could put in. That's yeah. where I, that's kind of how I view this is I don't, I don't see the uh, utility. If you can parent with no consequences, awesome. Like more power to you, make a course about it. Not just you, anybody. Yeah, sure. I don't uh, think that's like, possible. I, I mean, I, I, maybe it is. I don't know. It doesn't feel possible to me. <laughs> like my kids are going to have expect, you know, they're, I want them to have expectations. Like I want them to kind of know what yeah. to grow. So do I. In Mm -hmm. So do I. So on that level, I don't, I think that when people hear political theory, kind of like where you're coming from, it's, you hear the theory and you hear about danger cues, safety cues. So it's like, we get in our mind, I always want to be a safety cue. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, you know, yeah, but there are times where we have to be assertive. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that's bad. And I don't think it's parents, bad for parents to do that. I don't think it's bad for any sort of communication, any sort of interaction for you to be like, no, no, this is my line. And yeah. this is what I expect out of you. And that might be uh, putting an employee in check. Like, no, I'm your boss. And this is what I need from you. That might be putting your boss in check and say, this, I will not be treated this way. This is what I expect out of you as my boss. I'll respect you, but this is how I expect to be treated. And I don't see why that would be different for our own kids. Yep. That's super helpful. And on some level, probably it would be really I mean, there is safety in knowing the expectations. I was thinking about that the oh, other yeah. day, right? Like if I'm at a job, I want my boss to be like, Kelly, here's what I expect from you. This is what we're hoping for you. I, I yeah. want to know that that feels right. containing. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I've worked with, I work with teenagers and they have to know the line. Um, yeah. They, they have to know that the adults in their life care, but not like this unending, um, what's the word? Uh, cotton candy mm-hmm. love fest. Like they don't need that. Nice. They don't need relentless safety cues. What they need is, and they, they will say, I need to know the line. I need mm-hmm. someone to push back. I need healthy boundaries. They don't need someone chastising them and yelling at them and saying what's wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, but they do need to know this is what we expect out of you. And, and we believe in the best. We believe, believe in you. We expect the best out of you. Yeah. Um, but here's the behavior that is okay. And here's what's not okay. And there's plenty yeah. of wiggle room. That's not the issue. But they have to have that. And I'm working in a school district. I see is that as that expectation blurs, hmm. um, the results are, are not good. So as that widens and blurs and uh, it's like, there's no standard, there's no positive expectation, there's no accountability and the, the kids will match that. That is an expectation. When, when you're not communicating expectations to them, yeah. that is an expectation. It's like, it's like, how about it? We'll, we'll follow your lead. And that's, I don't think that's, and that's actually a whole other angle you could look at this as is even like on an evolutionary level, like who was the leader of the tribe? Who was the leader of the family? Hmm, and I, I would hope, I would hope it's the adults. Um, yeah. And the kids were seeing what the adults were modeling and following in their footsteps. So I would hope Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That, that doesn't mean we have to be jerks about it yes. at all, at all. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's super helpful. I, the, the approach I've been trying to kind of take, but it has its drawbacks is like, you know, if my kids are going through something like allowing them to come back to regulation and then kind of talking about things after, but that's not yeah. always helpful because sometimes it's like, if you hit your sister or if you are like there in that moment, there does have to be. And there are some instances that I do have to immediately implement something. Oftentimes sure. I can be like, all right, like we can, you know, I, I don't have to address this right now. You're like clearly down your ladder and, you know, and we'll circle back to that. But Sometimes I do feel like I have to. I would look at it like, okay, so like first off, being down the ladder is not a bad thing, unless right. unless you're running in the street, mm. hitting somebody, cursing at somebody. Like if you, as long as you're not violating these clear social norms and um, safety norms, yes, it, it's okay. It's okay to be down the ladder, and kids can regulate their way up. They can accept our co-regulation once they're ready to. Yeah. So like yeah. that, just, we, I think as parents, we have to be comfortable with our kids being in, in distress hmm. and mm-hmm. that's very normal for them yeah. to, to feel like I, I don't give timeouts, but I mean, I can't remember the last time I gave a timeout. They're pretty yeah. effective when done. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so the last time I, my son had a timeout or my daughter, mm-hmm. I, I, he felt guilt. He felt probably some shame, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you did what you did to earn that. And the natural consequence is probably feeling a little bit rejected and feeling a little bit of shame. And that doesn't mean I'm shaming you. It means you feel ashamed. It feels you means you feel some guilt. Sure. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm actively doing that to you. So to me, it's like, th- this was, this was the boundary. Mm-hmm. You made your choice and whether they're regulated or dysregulated, like th- you made this choice. That's how I, we have to look at it that way. In my opinion, mm-hmm. as far as accountability, otherwise it's like a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, when he's on timeout, he'll feel ashamed. He'll probably feel angry at me. He'll, he'll feel some guilt. I'm just going to let him feel that. And then when he comes out of it, then we can do, we can call it a repair. 
we can do a co-regulation we can, we can connect and i'll try and do these things ahead of time but like yeah. you know like at some point it's just you did what you did right and after all the warnings you got all after all my attempts to uh co-regulate with you or even put you in check like you still did your, the thing you did i have mm -hmm. to follow through and yeah. now you feel the way you feel but it's like i have to be okay with that as a parent i have to be okay with seeing my kids in some level of distress and letting them feel their feelings and then come out of it and i can absolutely help them with them after the fact yes but the consequence is the consequence and those feelings i think are part of the consequence yeah okay you just hit on like two things that i wanted to talk yeah. about in that that was helpful okay. So the one piece that I'm kind of also working through is this idea of, you said like they have allowing them to feel the stress and feeling their emotion. And sometimes I worry with polyvagal theory that maybe there's this, or maybe I just have made this focus, but there's this focus on like coming to regulation. And I worry sometimes that that maybe takes away from someone's experience of feeling their full emotion. It's like they might, something might come up and it's, you know, it's like, well, okay, take your deep breaths, come back to regulation. It's like, well, maybe you just need to feel your feelings. Oh, for totally. A yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And, I, don't, and, I don't know. I've never been in Deb Dana's class thing. Was that kind of the vibe that you got from it? Um, I think that, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say that More like after I, the fact, maybe it was after the fact. Yeah. Just this idea of like, you know, it's, they definitely would say like, it's not bad to be dysregulated. Right. Of course. No. But the hope is that we can have flexibility within our systems and come back to, to regulation. And so I'm working, you know, I work with adult clients. I don't actually work with children. Um, okay. this is more for my own parenting in this course I'm making, but I, if my clients are going through something, like, I don't want to immediately be like, okay, well, what are your regulating resources? It's like, well, I right. want you to feel what you're feeling. You need to, that's deactivating too. That's regulating to feel the emotion. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. So that's okay. Okay. I, I guess I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely. like what's not okay. How am I? You know? Yeah. Uh, I think that, it, so the way I conceptualize this is feeling your feelings as, as long as you can tolerate. So as long as the bagel break is active, as long as you're grounded enough in, in the safety okay. state, as long as you're that's grounded helpful. enough. Okay. And that, so that's my goal is because we can, as therapists, we can push and push and get our clients to feel all kinds of stuff. But that's not yeah, what yeah, we want. Sure. Right. Sure, sure. So the, my priority as a therapist is, is, are you grounded in the present moment? Are you able to feel whatever comes up for you? And so dysregulation and just feeling your feelings, let's, let's, those mm. are different things. Okay. Dysregulation okay. means you really are, you've lost access to your safety state. You're in flight oh. fight, you're in freeze you're in like a shutdown and these things are like out of control. We'll put it that way. Okay. That's, that's what I consider dysregulation. Like you're really just gone. That's uh, Okay. But, so if you have a foot in ventral, it's like, you are still oh, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. Deb calls it having a foot or like a toe in the water or something like that. Right. Okay. She calls it? I, don't, I don't remember that, but maybe okay. she might. I think when I so, talked to her, she said, as long as I have a toe in the ventral water or something like that. Okay. So that's not actually considered like in your opinion, like dysregulation. It's more when you have completely like kind of lost access to that safety state. That's what I, yeah, I would consider the students I work with when they're, you know, marching across the campus, swearing up a storm, that's dysregulated. When they're yeah. in my office talking about how angry they are and they're crying yeah. and they want to hurt someone, but they're there with me and they can talk about it. That's regulated enough. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. You know, that, that doesn't, worry me at all once they get up <laughs> or yeah. once I feel like oh I'm really losing you like that's where I get worried 
So I as see. long as someone or even someone, you know, like adults, um, as long as, or anybody, not just adults, yeah. as long as we're anchored enough in safety yep. to feel the defensive feelings, that's healthy and okay. And that is self-regulation. That's what, that's yeah. where we want to go. Yeah. Okay. And that, that actually kind of makes sense too, in terms of thinking about kids, like, like my kid can be frustrated or irritated at me, right. Because I'm holding a boundary, but they're having like, they still have that foot in that safe place. It's like when they're on their floor, like my two-year-old, you know, and she's just like wailing. I'm like, okay, we've like completely lost access to yeah. that. Okay. But yeah, yeah. that's how- I think that's helpful for me for some reason. That's like, that's putting something together in my mind right now. Okay. You mentioned something else about accountability. And that was actually a question I was going to ask you. I'm like, where does accountability fit into polyvagal theory? <laughs> Just that's in tough. general, I'm like, thinking about like the, I know. the prison systems and criminals and like, and I know. Yeah. You know. I've spent some time just thinking about this. I did do, I have an article on, I think it's an article on free will because I think hmm. it's all kind of connects to it. And this is a deep conversation I've never tried to get into. So I don't know. It's, it's not an easy answer. Yeah. So are yeah. you, are you up for it or? I'm, I'm super up for it. I okay. think about it. So yeah. All right. Here's where I'm coming from. Okay. One angle of this, which is not polyvagal informed is just as a society, how do we ha- want to handle these things? And the best we've come up with so far is the prison system, which is not, I think it has its utility, but obviously is we're not doing a very good job and it's not serving its purpose. So it's like the Absolutely. function of it is I get the function of it, mm-hmm. but the practicality of it is not going so well, let's put it that way. So that's, that's just like as a society, we're, that's the choice we're making more yeah. or less. Now in a polyvagal sense, I think that there is some utility and this is why I'm okay with timeouts. Okay. I think there is utility and it makes sense that if someone violates the social agreement, social norms, the social connection, that at some point we can say, you cannot be with us anymore. Mm. And I think this philosophically can tie into the prison system. That's kind of like, yo, you can't be in here anymore. Go away. You you have to go to somewhere Mm -hmm. else. And we've, we lock them up in prison, which is, whatever. So it, with, with kids on timeout, it's, that's the mentality Actually, before that. So that's, that's the prison system. Let's just talk about like friendships. Yeah. If you have a friend who some, somehow like they seriously violate the norms of, our, of your friendship, they cross some sort of boundary. You have every right to say, you cannot be here anymore. The, the right. friends can band together and like five, five friends hanging out. If one mm-hmm. of them violates some sort of norm, the other four can say, no, go away. You, you, you can't mm-hmm. be with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Now they might say you can't be with us for now, or they, you can't be with us until you get some kind of help. Like maybe they're, they're really addicted to something. It's like, you need help. Yeah. You know, yep. you cannot be a part of our life until you get help. So there, there is a, a sense of rejection there. That's not shaming that person mm-hmm. may feel ashamed, but I don't, I wouldn't say the friends are shaming them. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And I'll take that idea. And that's what I apply to timeouts, which is uh, you've seriously broken a house rule. Like, it has to be something really serious. Right. Like you've sure. hit somebody. Yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're kind of ostracizing you into, you know, a little timeout spot for five minutes or whatever it is. So it's like a mini version of things that may happen later on in life with much more severe consequences. So that's the idea of, I think there's a social function to it. I do think that is that connects to attachment and just the evolutionary social kind of idea in general. Now, when it comes to accountability, mm-hmm. okay. The way that I, first off, I don't believe people have free will. Okay. 
How yeah. does that sit with you? First off, we, we have that to. Sits, like... I mean, that sits pretty well with me. So. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you into this stuff? Like the. I love this stuff. Oh, yeah. cool. All right. Well, I'm, I'm super curious to see where you land on this as well. So I would say we don't have ultimately free will. I think it feels like free will. I think it feels like choice. And I think that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think we have free will. I would say that I'm pretty materialistic about uh, biology. I don't believe in a soul. Okay. I'm an yep. atheist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You okay with all that so far? I'm very much okay with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, be- I, I would say as best I know that life and our choices are like dominoes falling and yeah uh I don't think I'm choosing to do I feel like all this stuff just has led us in this direction from the moment of the big bang and whatever happened before that I don't know okay so there's that yes <laughs> I'm trying to set up an argument here uh, this is helpful. So yeah okay mm-hmm. so there's that mm-hmm. which so part of being human we evolved into this state or this our biology, I guess I'm not sure how to put that. We, we evolved to be who we are right now, right? Yes. Part of us is that we're a mammal, but part of that is that we are just a living organism comprised of cells. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. Fair. The basic biological function of a cell or of any living, uh, I would say living um, organism, even like uh, DNA and whatnot is to duplicate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yep. But to duplicate, we have to survive. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for us so let's bring it back to us part yeah. of us surviving is being self-regulated mm-hmm. part of us surviving is optimizing our health and growth and restoration as dr poor just puts it okay and in order okay. to do that we have to have access to our safety state hmm. so we don't i don't believe we choose to be in our safety state i don't even think we choose to go that direction. It feels like it, but I don't think we do. So I would say that Same. as an organism, organism, we are biologically compelled to self-regulate. Huh. So we don't choose that. We, we are always compelled. We are always in a state of, of, of uh, impulse to self-regulate. All kinds of stuff gets in the way. Trauma gets in the way. People in our homes, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So even, but even that stuck defensive state, even that traumatized state, I would say still has an impulse to self-regulate, climb its ladder back to the top of its um, ladder. Yes. Okay. So when we feel like we're choosing something, like if we, if we feel like we're choosing to do something that's you know healthy for our system, mm-hmm. really what I would say our thoughts are now aligning with our biology, biological impulse. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So I would say the impulse is already there mm-hmm. and we're aligning. We're not consciously not choosing to align our thoughts. Our thoughts will eventually align with the biological impulse to, to regulate, to self-regulate, and then to be a co-regulator for others. So I'm putting pieces out here. Like I said, I've never tried talking about this. So I, yeah. yeah. So in that moment, would you say that like, okay, so in that moment, are we actively trying, like, are we even doing things? Are we choosing to do the things to climb the ladder? Or is that just that you're saying that's just our impulse? That's just what we I, I think it, I think it feels like a choice. It feels like a choice. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good enough. And I think we, we but, have true experience. I am feeling this. I am talking with you. This is, I mean, as best yeah. I can tell this is real and I, that's good enough for me. I don't, I can't complain right. about that. So I would say that in, so I'm not perfectly well regulated right now. Yeah. But yeah. my biology wants to be. 
Yes. And so all yes. of my life history stuff has come up to this moment. Yeah. Which has uh, filled me with like narratives and like top down narratives that prevent me from regulating mm. further. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, my biology wants to regulate to its safe, safe and social state. Part of this hmm. is my top down stuff I, is stopping that from fully happening. Yeah. Part of that is bottom up stuff is stopping that from fully happening. Hmm. So it's like I'm, we, we get stuck in these, hmm. uh, not dysregulated, but we get stuck in these not fully regulated states, I guess. Some of us flat out dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, if I could slow down enough to listen to what my body needs in this moment, I could self-regulate. Now, the question mm-hmm. is, am I choosing to slow down enough mm-hmm. or is the impulse already there and now I'm realizing it mm-hmm. and then I'm conscious enough to sit back and let that watch that happen? Not so that, does that make sense at all? Yeah, it is making sense. It's like, I feel so torn in this because there is, there is definitely a very large part of me that just believes that like all of our experiences, everything that has happened up until this point, just leads us to whatever the next thing is, yeah. right? Like I really, I, yeah. I don't know the word for that. Leads yeah. us, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, I very much feel that deeply. And I also hate the idea that like, I am not actively choosing these things. It's uncomfortable, yeah. yeah it's super uncomfortable, yeah. But it, it doesn't negate the reality that it feels like it. Yeah. And we are experiencing what seems to be choice. But I mean, ultimately, like we, we, don't, we don't have free will. I can't not choose to fly. I mean, obviously we don't have full free will. Right, sure, sure. I'm sure. obviously limited by what I'm physically capable of doing. I'm yeah. obviously limited by means in my life, money and capability and all, all kinds of stuff. So it, the idea of free will is nonsense. We, we obviously don't have that. Right. So the best we have is what feels like choice. I, I think what feels like choice within a whole bunch of confines. Mm. Mm-hmm. And even then we cannot escape the fact that our biology has this impulse to self-regulate. So we are defined, in my opinion, that is the defining characteristic of every single one of us, like evolution, survival, yes. and reproduction. Like we cannot escape that. So within all those call- confines, if you want to call that choice or free will, fine. It doesn't yeah. seem like it logically, but it feels like it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. But yeah, yeah. There, there is this idea, there is this sort of... Uh, for me, like a realization of, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, think about it that way. Yeah. Would okay. you say then that the thing that makes it more difficult then for some people to, you know, self-regulate or go there than others is like that their historical events that have led them up until this point, the story, yeah, the, the narrative, all the things. Historical events and okay. um, life potential environment, okay. all kinds of stuff get in the way. Okay. The kids okay. that I work with that are from inner, inner city, uh, the, the city I live in is not all that great. So we have a good area, but the kids I work with don't Yeah, like they just yeah. don't. And so their capacity to self-regulate is there, but can you do that in the environment you live in? Can you do that in a home where there is a complete lack of co-regulation, like, or even the opposite of that and downright abuse. So it's the, the biology, it can do it, yeah. but severely limited by what you have at hand, obviously. And that is really hard for me when it comes to like criminalizing things then, because I just, then I see those kids at your school and I'm just like, man, they just were not dealt the same cards that a lot of us were dealt. And I struggle with 
than like punishing them for now their biology for where it's at. I cannot disagree with you. Excuse me. No, I, I mean, I cannot disagree with you. Um, and I don't think I have a good answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the current prison systems for sure. <laughs> no, um, but, no. but I mean, that's, poly- that's like every politician will say they have the answer to that. No one, no one has the answer. No one has the answer to that. I definitely no. don't have that. Yeah. But no. And it, that becomes a whole political thing. I'm not going to get into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But then but yeah. at this, on the same hand, you're also saying, even with that all being said, I still do believe that accountability is super important and that there has to be some sort of account. So there is like some sort of choice in this not choice or this, you know, there, look at it, look at it this way. Maybe yeah. look at it this way. Um, we are a social species. Mm-hmm. Think about it like this. So think about it like we're a school of fish. And we all yeah. swim in the same direction. If one of those schools of fish, if one of those fish mm-hmm. deviates, mm-hmm. the others might say like, no, get back in line. Come on, like get mm-hmm. back, right? Yep. No, I know fish aren't, I don't think they're all that complex, but you know, if, if one of those fish starts to like bump into the other ones, they might check it and like knock it off course and say like, get out of here or get back in line. Yeah. And so if you look at it that way, as we're a social species and we're ideally putting ourselves in check, each other in check in a healthy, productive way to get back in line. Now that's a very scary idea because uh, who has the right to do that? Obviously, Mm -hmm. if if we have a a society full of self-regulated adults who Mm -hmm. can do that out of love to each other, I think it's fine, but we don't have that at all. And it also sets sets up a scary uh layering of like we're the self-regulated ones who can tell you how to behave and put you in check and you're the dysregulated one so and that's the issue i have with the whole dsm mental health stuff is like we're the ones who are treating you you're the ones who have the problem not us and so polyvagal theory any i think any paradigm or any um school of thought can lead that direction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i i i look at it as socially we're putting each other in check in mm-hmm. the best, if I mean, just the bright, the most possible light that could be done, like that might be the healthiest way of looking at things. Yeah. So as far as accountability, we're basically saying you swam out of line, like get back in line. And it's, I like that. That's, that's kind of the function of it, I would think. Mm-hmm. So that's what accountability could look like. Now for us, we are a social species mm-hmm. and we do have feelings like guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And those feelings help keep us in line intrinsically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if if we are self-regulated enough to feel them and then act on them tonight mm-hmm. tonight my mm-hmm. son um i had to repeat myself a couple times and the third time i raised my voice mm-hmm. and he looked at me like like it, it hurt him and i felt guilty mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'm sorry dude i just sorry daddy's grumpy right now sorry so it's like i'm self-regulated enough to feel guilt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which yeah so that's that's a good thing we want guilt is a good thing. Uh, feeling shame for horrible acts is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Potentially Mm -hmm. there's a a social function to it. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have the accountability of the, of the society to the individual in the, in the brightest possible light. It does not work out that way whatsoever because Mm -hmm. we're all traumatized people trying to keep each other in line. And that doesn't work out very well. And then we have the individual function as part of a society of guilt and shame, which help keep us 
within the social uh, norms. That's super helpful. Does that? Really, yeah, it is. I really like the idea of us being, yeah, like this social network. I don't like that term, but yeah. this like, yeah. yeah, that is, we are kind of supporting and helping each other stay on track in that way. That as accountability does feel Ideally. like- yeah, ideally, that does feel like a beautiful way to look at it. And even in parenting, that feels helpful. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that has a, a nice tie into to parenting then. And this yeah. all depends on if we have parents that are self-regulated enough mm-hmm. to to um, keep basically keep kids mm-hmm. within some sort of acceptable norm. Now, this can easily get abused and mm-hmm. parents go all kinds of different directions with this. And for them, it makes sense. Like, yeah, they're, I'm keeping them in line. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. So it doesn't always work out very well. Um, you have to have people that are, I think, self-regulated enough to be able to come from empathy and, and to utilize their own guilt to make amends and repair their relationship with their kids and to use, yeah. I think, uh, consequences in a, in a productive, healthy way. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's all kinds of caveats that come into this, I think. Yep, it totally. But the, yep. but the philosophy of it, I think, makes sense at least. We yeah. just none of us are are you know. It seems like the people who want to lead us are the, uh, they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, uh, and yeah, so we yeah. we we end up with this society of it just doesn't it doesn't work out the way it should. So do we address? Yeah, free, yeah, free, free will. Have, um. So free will. Can I address that? It's yeah, I think I just keep coming back to the idea that it is just hard for me to because you were saying that you do not believe people have free will, right? Yeah, I don't. So it is but just it feels hard. like it and it looks like it, and it that's it looks like it. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that. Okay. I do agree with that. I, it, I have a hard time with it. it it's a, yeah, it's uncomfortable, I suppose. I mean, at first it's uncomfortable, but then when you look at when you look back, when you pull back and look at it, it's like, well, I feel like I have free will and Mm-hmm. that's good enough you know when it comes to parenting i could mm-hmm. say my kids don't have free will and therefore on some level are not accountable but i don't see mm-hmm. how that helps anybody i don't see how that will help them to be productive members of society so it's like but and okay, i also don't see i don't i don't see the function of that thought either i don't see the function of pulling back and just let, letting them you know mm-hmm. harm others i do i do believe that we have uh, innate human rights that should mm-hmm. not be violated and being hit. I think <laughs> if mm-hmm. my kids grow up to be people that hit strangers, like yeah. I obviously didn't, did not do a very good job as, as a parent and they're violating rights that I think people are born with. So yeah. no, I mean, even though they don't yeah. exactly have free will, it's close enough to not violate someone else's rights. And I, I can work with my kids on that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like you believe like in your core, you're like, I don't think people have free will, but I'm still going to operate in a way almost as, as if I'm treating them as if they do have free will. Like you're, yeah. you're the teenagers you work with, you're like, I'm going to yeah. treat you as if you have free will and, yeah. and my kids treat you as if you have free will. Yeah. I, th- I think telling people, telling us ourselves that we have choice is pretty powerful and, and responsibility. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, even if let's, so even if we don't have free will, you still are alive. You still do affect other people and yourself. And yeah. Ultimately, you do have options. And so that might feel like choice and maybe choice and free will are different. So Mm -hmm. it's like if you do have options at hand and some more than others. Mm -hmm. So there's enough there for us to work with and and to discuss a concept of choice or um, responsibility. 
Okay. And so mm-hmm. I think those are really important values that we can pass on and, and utilize so that we can affect each other uh, positively, you know, just generally right. positively. Right. Cause it wouldn't be helpful to just be like, well, you know, you're just, you're so. like determined. So just like to have at it, you know, like obviously that's not going to be. So the idea of, you know, life is predetermined. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have no idea what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So it completely feels like it's not, and that's fine, but it's either that. So let's just say it's purely materialistic and it's dominoes falling. And here we are. Mm-hmm. The other option is, well, at least from certain worldviews, like let's say God chose this it's mm-hmm. still pretty determined. Yeah. Yep. We still have no real choice. They say we have free will, but totally. God chose this path for every single one of us. If he's real. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the difference personally. Mm-hmm. I don't see the difference. So, but yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's, I like like the, the idea of just holding the two together. Like, yes, like, no, we do not have free will. And also like, we can still operate in a way that we are acting as if we kind of do, because that is functional and helpful. And for my clients, that's helpful. Like my clients, I, I don't know. It's yeah. helpful for me to know that like, I feel like I have choice somehow. I've, I've totally. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's very empowering. I mean, to feel like you, ha- and I think a lot of the kids I work with, they feel like they don't have choice. They feel like they don't have power and, yeah. and, or agency. And it's disastrous. It, d- it doesn't help to tell someone that they, they have no capacity to make their life better. And yeah. so I think that idea is helpful. It can be mm-hmm. helpful at least. But if you think about like, I've seen um, dogs or primates or other mammals, when their kids act out of line, they seem to put them in check. True. Don't they? Like, yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any great examples, but I've seen videos where it's like, oh, there's, they're being parents and yeah. they might be more physical than I would hope other parents would be, but sure. like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's their way of putting their kids in check. So I wouldn't say that the little puppy or little chimpanzee, chimpanzee baby, whatever you call them, is making a choice. I don't, right. I wouldn't say they have free will, but still their parents are putting them in check. It's like, no, you fall back in line. You're not, you're not following our social norms. Okay. I think with parenting, it can often be like, I'm going to put you in check because you are embarrassing me and you are that's different. And yeah. that's super different than I'm going to put you in check because like we are a society, we are a connected yeah. group and I yeah. want to help support that. That just feels super different. It's way different. Yeah. So it, you, you have to be extremely honest with yourself mm-hmm. about your, your parenting. Mm-hmm. And tonight when I snapped at my son for, for repeating myself, that was mm-hmm. completely my issue. It had nothing to do with him. He was just being a six-year-old kid. Sure. Yeah. It was completely my issue. I deserved the look. Mm-hmm. I deserved feeling guilt and sure. he deserved me apologizing to him. So mm-hmm. we, we ha- I think we have to be extremely honest with, with ourselves and that falls upon us. The responsibility is on us to be self-regulated enough to be yeah. able to catch ourselves and say, you know, it, it wasn't you. That was on me. I was afraid of being embarrassed and I shouldn't have treated you that way. And sorry, you know, yeah. what, you know whatever, whatever it sounds like, yeah. or to think about things yeah. ahead of time, knowing if I'm going to be embarrassed in the situation, I better think of a plan right now on how to handle that for totally. myself or how to avoid it or whatever it is. Yeah, that's super helpful. That's super helpful. That's a really good distinction. Yeah. I don't want my kids to hit because I want them to be a part of this, but I also get mad at my kids sometimes because I'm like, you're embarrassing me at the grocery store. And it's like, yeah, is this about me? Okay. Is this about them? What's this about? And the, the grocery store conversation is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a great answer for it. I feel like I've done pretty well with my kids and my daughter yeah. used to be a nightmare. Yeah. And, uh, but I put her in check in my own way. We, I use timeouts yeah. mm-hmm. and we would leave the store and I would tell her things like, we are not leaving. We're not, we, we, we're going to leave. 
You need to do timeout. We're going back in. We are not going home until this is done. And eventually yeah. she got it. And if it was not yeah. an issue, but eventually she got it. And then I would do other things like I would involve her in the shopping and help yeah. me pick out stuff. So I'd do all that stuff yeah. too. Yeah, I love um, that, but yeah, so the, with the, the store stuff, it's, is, is the behavior embarrassing to you because of your own stuff or mm-hmm. is your embarrassment an indicator that the behavior is out of line mm-hmm. for the social norms? Yeah, and that's, I don't, that's a tough differentiator, <laughs> but if a kid's yelling and throwing stuff, that's embarrassing. Yeah. But it's also wildly inappropriate. Yeah. It's not, that's not going to help them as they yeah. grow up. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. No, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it violates basic social norms. And so mm-hmm. if your kid's dressing in plaid and polka dot and you feel embarrassed about that, that's just your own issue. Right. For like sure. get over, I would say get over. That's my, that's yeah. my advice. Totally. Yeah. But it's, it kind of violates social norms in a way, but it, there's, they're not significant. They're not worth Yeah. It. yeah. It's not. That's Although a good people way. dress all kinds of ways now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. People are. <laughs> yeah. That's super helpful. That's helpful. That's giving me a good lens to look through this from. Thank you. I did yeah. not expect a conversation about free will and, <laughs> and whatnot. Oh I did my not gosh. expect that at all. I know. That's funny that it kind of went that way. I think yeah. it, it kind of, once you learn about this stuff, yeah, it, it kind of has to. And it has I, to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that my mind keeps going toward the, um, I've been, I've been doing a lot of research or listening recently about, uh, consciousness. Mm. And, and you listen like, to? I've been on YouTube, just a bunch of lectures. It's just like, I, just, I don't know, neuroscientists. I don't know who they are, yeah, cool. but no one in particular is just whoever I stumble upon. I'm like, okay, I'll, what do you have to say? So there's like all these ideas about computational something or other and fundamental consciousness and there's different theories and i'm like no one's defining what consciousness is yeah in order mm-hmm. to at least to begin to talk about it um mm-hmm. how did i get on this oh i've been so i've been look you know learning about this and trying to figure out okay what is consciousness because as psychologists or therapists we don't do a good job of explaining these things mm-hmm. and that's in my episode tomorrow actually i'm going to talk about that okay. okay um so but then there's the polyvagal theory which to me lays out how on some level we are really are just like organisms reacting, especially mm-hmm. with, with the concept or the idea of neuroception that yes. these inputs come in yes. and we have this autonomic shift that we don't choose. And so it's like how, how, well, I don't know what consciousness is, but how conscious can you be if there's all these things happening without outside of your awareness and the, the state that you're in is not exactly your choice and is a reaction to other stuff and your, and your past stuff. And yes. you know, a lot of this, a lot of this is like on an organismic level, there's things that are predictably, like if someone stares at you with wide eyes and flat affect, <laughs> you, you don't choose to feel freaked out. You just feel freaked out because we're just organisms. And I, I, I think that word fits better than mammals or humans. Like it just takes mm-hmm. away the, <laughs> the idealism of it. It's like, we're just organisms. We're, we're these cellular structures that, have kind of predictable reactions on some level mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. external stimuli. And that I've been kind of stuck on that recently. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where my, where my mind's been. And it's, it really is that to me fits in with the whole idea of a lack of free will, mm-hmm. true free will, at least yeah. and these dominoes falling kind of idea. Does yeah. that make sense how it all for me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, circling back to the neuroception piece 
right? So it's kind of like, okay, so their neuroception goes off. It's like something biological in their organism happens and they just react, right? Yeah. So that's what's happening. Yeah. And so then my mind goes to like- Well, they have an autonomic shift. They have an on, yep. And then everything shifts along with it, yeah. And everything shifts along with it. So, mm-hmm. so if for, you know, criminals, that happens then the behavior comes with that autonomic shift, right? Something happens maybe. More or less, yeah. Yeah. More or less. Okay. Yeah. And then Well, actually for I would I would say okay. no. I would say no actually. I okay. would I would argue that people who are um, living a life where you know they're they have more criminal activity mm-hmm. are probably in a chronic state of actual dysregulation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not yeah. just a neuroceptive cue and then they like commit a crime. It's like, they're already kind of there. And then maybe one thing does happen or there's that one last little tip and now they do, but you know, violate some sort of serious, but the, but the, yes. the flavor is already there. They're already kind of existing in a fight state. And it's totally. just that one thing will yeah, send them over. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And maybe I shouldn't even use, you know, yeah, crime is, and I'm even thinking about my kid, like, mm. so say, say my kid's like in a ventral place and then neuroception, I give her a bad look. She goes into fight or flight. She's like, you know, um, dysregulated, does something that maybe she wouldn't typically do. And then I'm just like, there is this piece of me that's like, how do I discipline a biological response? How do I punish a bio with, with, yeah. with people, who, you know, doing disastrous things in community. It's like, why like, we are a biological response. I know. I feel like I'm, sur- I'm kind of going in circles, but I, I'm having a hard time with it. I got you. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I would say it depends on what, what it is. So I'll, I have to admit, I don't have to admit, but I will admit, um, <laughs> I totally triggered my daughter. It was a couple of days ago. I was in the pool. And if you give me a squirt gun, I'll just irritate the heck out of you until I get a reaction out of you. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So my son and I, we have goggles on, we're shooting each other and it's, it's all, you know, fun. We're both, we're both in the pool. My daughter right. came out with her clothes on. She's like, Hey, I can't figure this thing out on my phone. And I squirted the heck out of her <laughs> and I didn't stop. She's like, daddy, stop. I'm like, I have to get a reaction. And that's just totally me being immature, okay. dysregulated, maybe dysregulated. <laughs> and so, uh, eventually she like flipped out and I was like, Oh, I went too far. Oops. Yeah. So <laughs> she violated some norm in like she stormed in the house and I heard her slam something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, that's, she's in a sense choosing, but I totally prompted it. I egged her to the heck on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't give her a consequence. That was on me. I took, I took the blame for yeah. that one. Sure. So okay. yeah, yeah. And when, when I went in, I, I, I told like, Bella, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I, that was, I was being stupid and you didn't deserve that. And I was, I went way yeah. too far yeah. with teasing you. I'm so sorry. And I meant it. And so, no, I didn't give her a consequence. I completely egged her on if I had not done that and it wasn't like we could always trace our behaviors back to something you know mm-hmm. but that was clearly my fault like I pushed and pushed mm-hmm. and pushed or I squirted and squirted and squirted <laughs> yeah, yeah sure, totally Until I got my reaction yeah. and I regretted it so you know for that like no I'm, I'm not gonna she does not deserve a consequence for that mm-hmm. uh, for other things because we could always say well something led to it mm-hmm. and there's no end to that though. I so know. we could, right. We could say that, you know, my son, uh, he hit somebody at school mm-hmm. and what led up to that was that morning he was, um, let's say he didn't get a pop tart and mm-hmm. he was rushed out of the door 
And mm-hmm. so he was already amped up mm-hmm. and it led, maybe it led to him hitting somebody at school, which he didn't do, but it's just pretending. So something led to it. Okay, fine. And you could say that something led to me as a parent pushing him uh, louder that morning, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But something led to that too. And so there's always obviously like a chain reaction and a link that goes back as far as time as far as I'm concerned, yeah. like you could always, always something, there's always an antecedent, mm-hmm. but at mm-hmm. some point I feel like we, we just say like in this moment, all that's true. Yes. But you, you did choose or do something that resembles choice. And so yeah. I, as part of a uh, family or as part of a society, am mm-hmm. going to put you in check to get back on track. Like, I feel like we have to do that. Mm-hmm, otherwise mm-hmm. what if you could just blame the previous person or moment or generation what where does that lead to mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean and couldn't that in theory like shape their neuroception for the next time like oh last time I did oh, yeah. it, something yeah. bad happened so I'm not gonna do that uh I would say yeah it shapes their expectations yeah okay, okay. absolutely which is helpful Right. So it's like, yeah, we're giving these consequences because we also want to shape their expectation for what could happen next time. Mm -hmm. So if maybe this will help as well. So let's say our kids are not agents of free will and are not making their own choices to do whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. In that same vein, we could say that, okay, well, I'm a parent who's not a free will and I'm choosing to give you a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. I'm enacting a consequence Mm because it's popping up in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I can rationalize that it's the best thing or my body's doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're both not agents of free will and this is what you're doing. And this is what I'm doing. It mm-hmm. evens out and let's see what happens next time. Yeah. yeah. Can we say that. There's like something that just feels kind of just like sad about the idea that we don't have free will at all. Like, does uh, it make, and my husband would be like, yeah. no, it's not sad. It's just the way it is. But for me, I'm like, man, that's sad to me. I think there is, I think that there is initially some level of sadness there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay. But it doesn't change the fact that everything feels like free will. And like, what, what's the yeah. difference? Whether yeah. I can rationalize it as free will or not is a fun exercise, but it still feels like it. It still feels like I can, I have the potential to make change. So no, I'm not too sad about it at all. I, I would say um, initially there's, there's a feeling of sadness, but you mm-hmm. kind of have to sit with that. I would say initially there's a feeling of sadness when it comes to like when I admitted I was an atheist, you know, as a teenager, there was a feeling of like, oh crap and being small and and sadness and what's the point of all this? And there was initial feeling of that, but then there comes, for me, there there came this big sense of appreciation, Mm -hmm. at least with life. I don't know about free will, but at least with, uh, with life, like it just like, I'm alive. Like, wow. The, the, the chances of me being able to experience this, whether it's free or not, whether it's um, from other people of free will or whatever, like I, I still get to experience, I still get to experience love. It feels like love. I get mm-hmm. to experience attachment and bonding with my kids and yeah, maybe it's all chemical stuff and dominoes, but it feels real. Mm-hmm. It's good perspective. Okay, that's, that's good enough. I, I get to have that. I get to experience that. I get, and so there's a sense of a deep sense of appreciation for me, you know, and I, with, when it comes to free will, initially there is this sense of like, Oh, that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, well, how much closer can I get to what 
myself as an organism mm. is supposed to be because this is not it. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm supposed yeah. to have a fuller beard. No, that's, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I'm supposed to <laughs> and thicker eyebrows. I don't have to. No, um, it's my ourselves as organisms. Mm. We're this is not it. This mm-hmm. is the way we interact with each other, and like this is not it. So, how much closer can we get to? the way things are quote unquote supposed to be or the ideal evolutionary sense of things. Um, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we will, I don't know if we lost it. Uh, Maybe it was there, probably was. And we just Mm -hmm. lost it. I don't know if we can get back to it. I have a sense that the closer we get to truly uh, self-regulated, connected social species, Mm -hmm. the further away that we'll get from conscious thought, like words in our brain, I feel like those Mm -hmm. will drift away from that. And that's a whole different yeah. Yeah. That's cool yeah. to think about. Um, would you say then that like that, that the ultimate goal, like as far as you see, like the world and people and your clients is like just helping them, like supporting just like a, that safe and social connected state. Like that would be kind of like your life philosophy is like, I want people to like, like that would be the ideal world is if we are all closer to that. I, I think I would think that it is being closer to being anchored enough in the safety state. Yeah. Okay. To also feel like we have to have flight fight. We have to have shutdown, not just as survival, but those are central to play in stillness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, mi- the mm-hmm. mixed states, right? Are you familiar with those? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we have, it's not like we should always exist in a safe and social state. That's not the goal. And I, honestly, it's, that sounds awful to me. Mm, yeah. I because I would, was that it might be kind of boring i think it would be i really think it would be like where's there has to be for us to grow like doesn't there have to be some level of challenge a million percent i agree right? with that. so mm-hmm. so um what the hell was i talking oh so I, I think that we have to obviously we have to have these other um pathways we have to have flight fight those we have to have the sympathetic we have to have the dorsal vagal in order to experience stillness and play so i i think being as anchored as possible in our safety state is maybe the goal. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's helpful. Okay. I think it's, I think it is the ideal for the species is to have for ourselves as like human beings or all mammals is to have more access to that. Cause that's where health and growth and restoration happens. That's where critical thinking happens. That's where all the good stuff happens. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Okay. Well, it's, it's more just like, I'm curious about how you work with clients now, like as of like, has everything shifted? I I mean, I'm just curious about that. Like, do you just, are you pretty much pure polyvagal theory? Um, Yeah. Well, in a sense, I'll I'll answer it just like in a few minutes, because that's definitely a bigger conversation and a fun Uh, one. Yeah. I I would say that this is how, this is like my, um, my lens for the world. So yeah, this is how I see my clients. Um, But the techniques and modalities and whatnot that I use are, I pull from everything. So I I do a lot more somatic kind of stuff in that sense. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I would say that's more directly in my mind connected to political theory. But even when I do CBT kind of stuff or um, motivational kind of stuff or just behavioral kind of stuff, like it's, it's there. But um, so it's like, it's kind of how I'm viewing things and I'm seeing how I'm seeing my clients. Okay. Uh, but I still pull from it, but as whatever's yeah. necessary in that situation for that client. So 
Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's kind of how I've, I've been with it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, political theory, like, you know, it's not a modality. It's yes. just science. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank you fellow stuck not for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed being a part of it with Kelly. Oh, and by the way, this is in no means a complete and coherent argument about any of these things. Like I said in the episode, this is stuff that I don't talk about, but I enjoy doing so. So if you have something you would change or add or take away from what I said or what Kelly said in this episode, reach out to me. My email is justinlmft at gmail.com. I would love to know what you thought about this. Again, you can find out more about Kelly in the description. It's kellylaportacounseling.com. And then you can head on over to justinlmft.com as well to find out more about working with me or meeting with me in a professional consult, justinlmft.com. Otherwise, thank you so much again for listening. Bye.